Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello and thanks for tuning in for yet another edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm your host, Kerry Martin, along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we are always standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. Here in the Texas Panhandle, we're trying to look on the bright side and remember that at certain times, a prolonged dry spell can be helpful to farmers, at least somewhat. I'm James Hunt and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today. Texas Tech University is now accepting applications for its School of Veterinary Medicine. I'm Jessica Dommel and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. Hay is the most widely grown, mechanically harvested agronomic crop in the United States. Stored feed, including hay, is normally more expensive than pasture forage, so it is economically advantageous to minimize storage and feeding losses. I'm Dr. Vanessa Olson from Overton. We'll have those stories, plus news from Washington, Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. But first, here's a look at news headlines. The water dispute between the U.S. and Mexico has been resolved. Mexico will now release the water owed to the United States under a 1944 treaty. Over the past few months, the Texas Commission on Environmental Quality and the U.S. International Boundary Water Commission have been working with officials in Mexico as the five-year cycle in which Mexico is supposed to release the water draws to a close. Mexico will fulfill its obligations by releasing the water to Amistad and Falcon International Reservoirs. Per the water treaty, during a five-year cycle, Mexico must deliver a minimum of 1.75 million acre-feet of water from six Mexican tributaries to the Rio Grande. That water is used by farmers and communities in South Texas and the Valley. In return, the U.S. delivers water from the Colorado River to Mexico. Texas Governor Greg Abbott says this agreement helps ensure that water obligations will be met before the end of this cycle, providing a much-needed resource to communities in the region. There are more wild hogs in Texas than in any other state, and that population is growing. Gary Joyner has more from Waco. Wild pigs are not just a Texas problem. 35 states are battling the feral swine. But Texas has the most, and the problem keeps growing. Recent research points to well over 2.5 million wild pigs in our state. Only one county out of 254 in Texas has been spared from the invasive species. The pigs are prolific, too. In one year, a female can produce 50 to 100 hogs. Texas farmers and ranchers see the impact firsthand. Some growers 
farmers lose at least 30% of their crops to wild pigs each year. Crops such as corn, wheat, oats, and rice are hit hard. The wild pigs also prey on young cattle, sheep, and goats. Controlling the growing population is not easy. There is no one silver bullet, and that includes hunting. It will take a multifaceted approach to manage the pig problem from both public and private sources. More control tools are needed, and research is underway to determine which methods are effective and environmentally safe. Texas farmers and ranchers are hopeful new strategies will get to the root of the wild pig problem and soon. I'm Gary Joyner for Texas Ag Today. Texas Tech University is now accepting applications for the inaugural class at its new School of Veterinary Medicine. Jessica Domo reports. After receiving the necessary approvals from the American Veterinary Medical Association, Texas Tech University has begun accepting applications from students who are interested in being part of the first class of its School of Veterinary Medicine in Amarillo. Construction on the campus began last year, but the goal of one day opening the vet school started back in 1971. Guy Lonergan, dean of the Texas Tech University School of Veterinary Medicine, says excitement is growing as we get closer to the school's inaugural class in August of 2021. There's definitely a feeling of excitement. This is a new program. There was a lot of effort, a lot of discussion to get this new program off the ground. But that excitement is not limited to campus. That excitement extends well into the communities that we serve. So we're in Amarillo, Texas, and you walk around Amarillo going to the supermarket in the United Supermarkets and you're wearing a Texas Tech vet school outfit, people will stop and ask you about it. And they're so excited. But you go beyond that and people are excited. You do a Texas Tech alumni event and the first question they ask is about the vet school. So this excitement is palpable within the university, but it also also palpable within the communities and across the communities that we serve. And that is something that is fantastic to feel because it gives you motivation every day, but it's probably a reflection that this process, while it feels like a whirlwind, has been five decades in the making. The vet school was really first proposed in the early 1970s when the medical school was created, and it's been that process since then, but now we're here. We're open for business, we're accepting applicants, and we're about to begin teaching the first class next fall. Texas Tech's president said the school gives future veterinarians throughout Texas another opportunity to pursue their dreams within the borders of the state. Lonergan said the new School of Veterinary Medicine will focus on students who are interested in working in rural and regional communities. Secondly, we're looking for students that have completed our prerequisite requirements. So we have a set of courses. Most schools have a set of courses that are all very similar that they want students to complete prior to starting the program. And ours are very similar to Texas A&M. And for us, a student can really complete those with two years of college. But we'll have many students that complete a bachelor's degree too. The Texas Tech University School of Veterinary Medicine will begin with an inaugural class of about 60 students in the fall of 2021. The application process is open now. You can apply online at T mdsas.com. That is the website for Texas Medical and Dental Schools Application Services. Again, tmdsas.com. Students who have questions about the admissions process are encouraged to go to the vet school's website. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel.
Minimizing hay storage and feeding losses can save you a lot of money this winter. Vanessa Olson takes a look at ways to do that from Northeast Texas. The major objective for a hay feeding system should be to keep losses to a minimum. Feeding losses include trampling, leaf shatter, fecal and urine contamination, and refusal. The levels and costs of these losses will be determined by feeding method, intervals between feedings, amounts fed at a time, weather conditions, the number of animals being fed, and forage quality. Here are some helpful hints to avoid feeding losses. Number one, minimize waste. Number two, feed hay in small amounts. This limits trampling and spoilage. Number three, use some sort of feeder. Feeding hay in a rack or a hay ring also limits the opportunity that animals have to trample or soil hay, and it will also reduce waste substantially. Number four, feed hay in well-drained areas. Standing mud and water increases the stress levels. Number five, move hay feeding areas around the farm. This minimizes the damage to any one area of the pasture and spreads nutrients over a larger area since cattle congregate at feeders. And number six, feed hay stored outside before feeding hay stored inside. Hay is one of the most widely used supplemental forages of any livestock feeding program. With the cost of inputs required to make hay, it is important for producers to minimize feeding losses to the greatest extent possible. Hay can provide needed nutrients for animals. The livestock producer must pay close attention to the quality of the hay as well as the factors influencing losses during haymaking, storage, and feeding. This is Dr. Vanessa Olson with Texas A&M AgriLife Extension in Overton. One big issue for new cell-based meat products is how to label them. Gary Crawford has more from Washington. The developers of so-called cultured or grown-from-cells meat products say the main issue is not going to be product safety, but rather product labels. Yeah, it's the most important issue. That's Eric Schultze with Memphis Meats, one of about 40 companies worldwide working on bringing cell-based meat products to the market. Some livestock groups say, of course, these products should not be labeled as meat at all. Schultze says, of course, from his side... Our products are meat. We'd like to label them just the same as any other meat product. But he says the label should be clear as to how the products were created. We do believe there's a lot of value in disclosing the method of production. In this case, that it's cell-based or that it's cultured. Could live on that label, and we think consumers are really find that valuable. In agreement with that is Udi Lazimi with another company, Just, which is developing cell-based poultry products. He says, Ensuring that we have a label that people can understand, that's a huge focus of ours. The Department of Agriculture and the Food and Drug Administration are currently working together on the complex job of figuring out how to regulate and label these new products. Gary Crawford for the U.S. Department of Agriculture. The Beef It's Once for Dinner campaign is returning for the holidays. Of course, the holidays may look a little different here in 2020, but the Beef Checkoff wants one thing to remain the same, and that's beef. For the first time since 2003, the iconic Beef It's Once for Dinner brand will be on television. It will air a limited number of ads during the Hallmark Channel's Countdown to Christmas movies. In addition to bringing the brand back to television, the Beef It's Once for Dinner brand will help consumers learn how to make the perfect holiday meal through fully integrated digital and social media work. Zebra mussels have infested another Texas lake. I'm Jessica Dommel, and I'll have more on Texas Ag Today. And a common pain medicine could increase the chance of fatal injuries in racehorses. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd looks at that issue coming up next 
here on Texas Ag Today. After my first car accident, I feared the biggest damage would be to my wallet. I expected a mountain of bills and a long, drawn-out process. But my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent was there when I needed her and helped me get back on my feet and in my car in no time. Instead of a hassle, I got reassurance and a quick recovery. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to find an agent who's there when you need them most. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. A common pain medicine could increase the chance of fatal injuries in racehorses. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd takes a closer look at that issue. A recent paper out of Argentina examined the use of phenylbutazone, commonly called bute, and the risk of musculoskeletal and fatal injuries in thoroughbred racehorses. Phenylbutazone is an anti-inflammatory medication that reduces pain and inflammation in horses and at this point is not a prohibited substance in the horse's blood while racing in most of the United States. However, the last dose of bute can be given no less than 48 hours before the race and a maximum amount of the drug is allowed in the horse's system after a race. In a recent study recently published in the AVMA Journal out of Argentina on almost 300,000 race starts, Horses that recently received bute were identified as being at a significantly increased risk of musculoskeletal injuries leading to fatalities. The fatalities occurred not from the drug, but from injuries received while racing that required euthanasia. And horses given bute pre-race were twice as likely to have an injury leading to euthanasia. The authors believe that many horses given bute are older horses with chronic disease that may increase their chances of injury. Also, the horses given butte are painful and lame to some degree, as this is the reason they need butte to compete in the first place. Butte decreases pain and allows the horses to potentially run faster and increases the chance they can hurt themselves by taking away the pain. For this reason, horse racing officials are deciding if there should be a no-tolerance policy for butte on race days or to further decrease allowable butte levels in the blood at race time. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Zebra mussels have infested yet another Texas lake. Jessica Domel has more in today's wildlife report. If you are fishing or boating on Texas lakes, be sure to clean, drain, and dry your boat and equipment. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department recently upgraded another Texas water body to fully infested with invasive zebra mussels. Richland Chambers Reservoir, south of Dallas, was upgraded after zebra mussels of varying sizes were found in a cove near the dam and at Kingswood Boat Ramp. The department says the varying sizes of mussels found indicates the zebra mussels have been reproducing. It is not the first time the reservoir has seen zebra mussels. In 2017, the invasive species were found in the cove near the dam and were eradicated. New resampling efforts reveal they're back. TPWD reports that once zebra mussels are introduced to a water body, it is only a matter of time before they can fully infest it. 
That's why it's extremely important for boaters to clean, drain, and dry their boat and gear every time they leave a water body in Texas. Zebra mussels are currently found in 30 Texas reservoirs across five river basins and in river reaches downstream of the infected lakes. Zebra mussels are an invasive species, and they can litter shorelines with sharp shells, impact recreation, harm aquatic life, damage boats, and clog water intakes. A video of the proper way to clean, drain, and dry your boat and equipment is available on the TPWD YouTube channel. The video is called, Do Your Part to Not Spread Invasive Species. Again, that's on the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department YouTube channel. You can find a link to it on tpwd.texas.gov. Again, tpwd.texas.gov. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dolmel. Well, it was a very ugly week for the cattle market, but a very good week for the cotton market. We'll take a look at all the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Truck drivers, if you're stuck on a railroad crossing, don't just sit there. It takes a freight train more than a mile to stop, even in an emergency. So by the time you hear this, it could be too late to save your truck and maybe your license or your life. Instead, immediately get out of your truck, away from the tracks, and call the number on the emergency sign at the crossing. That gives the railroad a chance to stop trains before they get to you. Always call the emergency number. It could save your truck, your license, and your life. Go to OLI.org for info. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. Well, it has been a tough week for the cattle market. We wrapped things up on a fairly negative note on Friday. Cattle futures closing mix with live cattle. Some contracts higher, some lower. The feeder cattle mostly lower. Fed cattle trade this week got ugly and dropped lower. Just did not seem like a very good week for the cattle trade. Let's wrap up some of these prices for the week. October live cattle up two cents, closing at 103.35. December up 10, 103.57. February live cattle down 15, 106.62. October feeder cattle down 30 cents, 133.52. November feeders down 77, 129.65. The January feeder cattle down 65, 125.55. It was a very strange week for the fed cattle trade. We saw early week sales at 106 here in Texas. When the futures market dropped sharply lower on Monday, it looks like the feedlots went ahead and sold cattle while they could get the money. The Packers weren't really bidding much at the end of the week. So overall, we settled for $2 lower this week, selling live cattle at 106. When you look up north, they took an even bigger hit. Dress cattle, 163 to 165. That's down 3 to $4. Box beef prices higher. Choice up 11 cents, 208.97. Select up a dollar to 192.10. 
Let's check a couple of feeder cattle auctions now. We'll go to Jordan Cattle Auction, San Saba, Texas. 2,682 heads sold. The trend was steady to lower. Three to 400 pound steers, $1.50 to $1.68 a pound. Four to five weight steers, $1.40 to $1.60. Five to 600 pounders, $1.30 to $1.51. Six to seven weight steers, $1.18 to $1.27. With the seven to 800 pounders bringing $1.00 to $1.17 a pound. Slaughter cows, 20 to 57 cents. Slaughter bulls, 65 to 83. Stocker cows, 500 to 1,100 a head. Cow-calf pairs, 1,110 to 1,300 a pair. Pearsall Livestock Auction, Pearsall, Texas, selling 1,504 head. The trend steady to higher. Two to three weight steers, $1.15 to $1.62. Three to four weight steers, a dollar fifteen to a dollar seventy. Four to five hundred pounders, a dollar thirteen to a dollar sixty-three. Five to six weight steers, a dollar seven to a dollar forty-one. Six to seven hundred pounders, a dollar to a dollar twenty-seven. And the heavy seven to eight weight steers, ninety-seven cents to a dollar eleven a pound. Slaughter cows, twenty-five to fifty-six cents. Slaughter bulls, sixty to eighty-five. Stocker cows, six hundred to twelve hundred ahead cow calf pairs 800 to 1250 a pair now back over to the futures market merlin hogs wrapped up the week higher december up 82 cents 6702 february lean hogs up 7 6692 october class 3 milk unchanged at 2163 100 weight november milk up 75 2219 the cotton market closed lower on Friday, but we wrapped up actually a very good week. It looks like the speculators taking some profits after a very good week. The December contract up one and a half cents on the week. And for the month of October, December has taken a six cent jump. So definitely a good week and a good month for that contract. Not surprising that we saw some profit taking on Friday. We closed with December cotton down 65, 71.29. March cotton down 64, 71.87. Kansas City wheat continues to get support. Same story, dry weather around the globe in wheat producing areas, especially in Russia and in the western U.S. December Kansas City wheat up nine and a half, five sixty nine and three quarters. New crop July wheat up seven and a quarter, five eighty five a bushel. The corn market continues to show strength with December corn up three cents for 19 and a quarter in the energy markets november natural gas down four cents 296 december crude oil down 93 39.71 a barrel and things were mixed in the financial markets on Friday. The Dow Jones Industrial Average down 27, 28,336. The Nasdaq up 42, 11,548. The S&P 500 up 11 at 3,465. Well, that wraps up the week's markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. Be sure to check us out again next time. We'll be right here waiting to bring you all of the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Kerry Martin, and this is Texas Ag Today. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. 
For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.